Welcome. This is the Life Habits podcast series, and my name is Carl Vredenberg. This is the series that helps you to learn new habits to optimize your life in order to stay sane in this crazy world. This is episode number 90, and the topic for today is gender equality. I got to this topic as a result of listening to recordings of Emma Watson of the Harry Potter fame doing a speech at the United Nations on gender equality, and it so moved me that I thought I should do my part as a contribution to the overall insight and overall clarity and direction that Emma Watson articulated. She started what she called an He for She campaign, which is men also contributing the conversation with regard to this topic, as well as women. And I want to do my part of providing practical advice on how you can do your part, whether you're a man or a woman. And Emma said during that talk, I've realized that fighting for women's rights has too often become synonymous with man-hating. If there's one thing I know for certain, it is that this has to stop. She also said, how can we affect change in the world when only half of it is invited or feel welcome to participate in the conversation, meaning that only women have seen it as their purview and as their role to argue for equality. And Emma's point is that this is of interest to all of us, and I want to do my part as well. And I read some shocking comments from the Turkish president, Recap Tayyip Erdogan, said that women cannot be treated as equal as men. And he went on to explain all the reasons why. And it reinforced for me that while we've made some progress, we have a long way to go worldwide. So let's start with some quotes. Nicholas Kristof says, In the 19th century, the central moral challenge was slavery. In the 20th century, it was the battle against totalitarianism. We believe that in this century, the paramount moral challenge will be the struggle for gender equality around the world. Gloria Steinem said, We've begun to raise daughters more like sons, but few have the courage to raise our sons more like our daughters. Randall Monroe said, The role of gender in society is the most complicated thing I've ever spent a lot of time learning about. And I've spent a lot of time learning about quantum mechanics. And lastly, Ivy Compton Burnett said, there is more difference within the sexes than between them. So people who listen to this podcast series are from countries all around the world. And those countries vary widely in the progress toward gender equality. But all have significant progress yet to make on this topic, no matter what the country. I'm going to try to capture some advice that I think applies more generally, regardless of the maturity of the country that you live in, regarding gender equality. There's really three themes that I'd like to reinforce. The first is what both genders should be doing. The second is what women should specifically be focused on. And the third, quite naturally, would be to focus on what men can very directly do. So let's start with number one. I would start by thinking about the things that are actually very easy to change. And that is 
things like the actual gender pronouns that we use. I know it's only language, but language is important. And we often refer to a person uh, generically, and often people use the male pronoun when referring to a person more generically. And I believe strongly that we need to use both pronouns. And there's a lot of debate about, you know, what type of pronoun to use, whether we use he slash she. Other people, including me, believe that we should change the meaning of they so that it could be referred to as singular and plural, and that um, when referring to both men and women, we can use the word they instead. Also, the other thing that I would really draw attention to, so a lot of sexual innuendo often in what people say and the way they act, and I often listen to radio stations as I drive into work when I travel, and I travel a lot in different countries, and there's typically two or three men and then usually one woman that's um, on the on those shows. And there's often a lot of discussion that really, you know, borders on or uh, does have a lot of sexual in, in, innuendo. And I think that we too often think that that's okay that that's just comes with the territory. Also, in lots of business situations, there's often, you know, those kinds of comments made. And I'd like to suggest that many people believe that that, that offends women. I believe that it offends men and women. I'm offended when somebody objectifies, you know, women and uses essentially derogatory words and concepts to refer to women. And I think that we all should be much more aware of when we do that. It just shouldn't come into a number of conversations when it does today. And the same thing with things like inappropriate jokes. There again, think of the environment that you're in. And I think we need to rid ourselves of a lot of that kind of activity when we're in an environment that is not appropriate for that. It's one thing to be in some social situation where, you know, that may well be appropriate. But a lot of the time, I think we also hear it in a school setting, in a, a work setting, and I think it doesn't apply there at all. And I think it's not appropriate there at all. And we do that kind of thing way too much, in my view. There's also a controversial one that I feel actually quite strongly about, and that is our use of married names. This is something that I don't think that many societies have really worked out very well, but the whole notion that there be an expectation that a woman, when she gets married, essentially changes her identity that she's had for the the years before uh, getting married, that somehow it's appropriate to have only the woman change her surname is something that I've always found, something that's, that's indicative of inequality when, like I say, it's only the woman that changes her name. I believe that people should just keep their names. Again, it's one of those cases where you need to choose what you're doing in that case and think hard about what it really means when you decide to have only the woman in a married relationship change her last name. And my way of perceiving that situation when I hear colleagues, for example, that have, have a professional career and I know them as a certain person, and when they then change their name over to the name that her, their husband has had as their surname all their lives, it somehow is indicative of the fact that they are not as important as the male. And like I say, there's no end of challenges with these kinds of things, but I just wanted to raise that you think about 
what that means if you're in this situation as well. Number two, when you think about the kinds of things that women should focus on more specifically, and that is to develop particular skills to be really effective in situations, especially in ones that are in a work environment or a school environment, but they also apply to a social environment as well. One area to focus on is assertiveness. A lot of women who have not had as many opportunities to develop their skills in assertiveness could really use this as a skill and a habit to develop. And again, we make the distinction between being assertive versus being aggressive. A lot of people believe that they are the same thing and that you need to just be more strenuous in your arguments for certain topics. And that is typically aggression versus assertion or assertiveness. And I make the point in Life Habits 49, that episode, if you'd like to listen to that, if you haven't already, or if you have listened to it and you want to listen to it again, I already make the point there that the distinction that you make between the line of what is appropriately assertive versus aggressive is, are you somehow damaging or lessening the other person in a conversation? If you are, then you're being too aggressive. If you're not, then you're being assertive. And you often don't need to, and I would argue you shouldn't, be attacking the other person, but she should be addressing the issue directly head on. And that, again, is talked about in greater detail in Life Habits 49. A similar skill and eventually habit is one of self-confidence, and that is to really have a sense of self-worth, a sense of that you deserve what you deserve, and to feel comfortable with who you are. In Life Habits 32, I talk about that in greater detail, and that in particular is something that both men and women can benefit from, but often women have a greater challenge in having appropriate self-confidence. And some of that comes from the environments that you experience where there is not equality, but at the same time, in addition to really improving the overall environment by these various things that people will be doing to drive for greater equality. I think it's also the responsibility or certainly the opportunity for women to further develop this sense of self-confidence to be even that much more effective. And similarly, to be an effective communicator. And again, Life Habits 10 and 11 talk about this in greater detail. But a lot of what we get done, a lot of our involvement in interpersonal relationships, whether personal ones or ones within work or school, really require effective communication. It's one of the most important aspects of the ways in which we interact with others. And so there are some very specific things to think about in terms of how to become a more effective communicator. And like I say, that is also something that is particularly a focus and of benefit if you're not as effective at doing that. And the last thing I would argue for is to do what Sheryl Sandberg of uh, Facebook says. She has written a book called Lean In, which many of you may have heard about, but I strongly endorse. I've read the book and think that she has some incredibly valuable advice. And again, 
A lot of these things are appropriate for men and women, but women in particular can benefit from these because of the kinds of environments and the kinds of history that everybody has had as a woman. And the kinds of things that Cheryl talks about in her book, Lean In, are to negotiate and that you should consider that that's appropriate to do. So don't just always assume that a situation is the way that it is. Actually think about, for example, salaries or promotions or wanting to work on a particular project or having a discussion with regard to who's going to do what kinds of activities in the home. Those are all require appropriate negotiation skills or even thinking that it, it is appropriate to negotiate those as opposed to considering them to be a given. So she has in her book some very specific advice with regard to how to approach those situations that require negotiation. She also talks about that women shouldn't just try to be liked and that a lot of the time in what she describes is that a very typical experience of women, particularly in the workplace, is that they're more likely to try to be well-liked than to necessarily look after their own interests. And that often leads to less than optimal outcomes for the person herself. Also talks about the need to take risks. And while there is a realization that, I remember reading some studies looking at the effectiveness of startups that are run by women versus men, women are more successful in running uh, startups because they tend to be you know, more risk averse, also just more focused on all the details. And while all those things are a good thing, there are times that Cheryl argues for that uh, women should look to take, you know, greater risks, of course, still need to analyze them and be thoughtful. But the threshold for taking risks, she argues for women should be higher than it is today. Also, she argues for balancing responsibilities with your partner, essentially also the negotiation thing that I mentioned earlier, to not just take all of that as a given, to actually have the conversation that says we should discuss who needs to do what, especially with both partners working, it makes a lot of sense to work out and determine who does what at home. And she also talks about quite literally leaning in. She talks about the experience that often happens in men and women, for example, in a business setting, going to a meeting. They come into the room. Let's say there's a central table. There are seats around the table, and then there's seats in a second row beyond that at the side of the room, so to speak. And a very common experience for women is to take the seats around the edge of the room rather than sitting at the table and also thereby not being as effective in the meeting. I did some research years ago on the power of various positions around a table and clearly having a, a seat at the table and leaning in is far more effective than sitting in that second row, which as Cheryl talks about, women often do. But it's also the case over and above what Cheryl su suggests. I would also suggest that you use the results of that research that we did many years ago now that talked about essentially the positions around a table that have 
the greatest eye contact for you to have with everybody in the meeting, that's the more most powerful position. So if you're sitting at the head of the table, if you're sitting at the head of the table, or if you're sitting at the center of each of the sides of the table, that's a powerful position. The corners of the table are less powerful and less effective because you have less direct eye contact with everybody around the table. And clearly sitting in the second rung, you even have less power uh, than actually sitting at the table. So think about where to sit in a meeting in order to be effective and powerful and to be able to make your points more subtly and with less forcefulness if you actually already have everybody's attention because where you're sitting, rather than if you're sitting around that edge of the table, you're trying to get a word in edgewise, you can't get people's attention because they can't actually see you. You can be a lot more effective if you take where you're sitting in the room more seriously and purposely actually position yourself as a woman and as a man, but in particular women, because women have been shown to not do this as well as men to make sure that you sit at the appropriate place around the table. Those are the items that I would suggest, you know, women uh, focus on in particular. And then for men, number three is to embrace and celebrate the full range of skills, attributes, and habits, including the ones that traditionally are attributed to women. I think you really want to make sure that you keep the things that you're good at, which is great. You've already been reinforced as a man for doing certain things well, but in order to be a really well-rounded individual, to really be effective and also be effective with men and women, I think there's a, as Gloria Steinem said, there's a value in also learning and then developing into habits, skills that are more traditionally ones that women have been better at. So I would suggest the focus on uh, life habits number 14 will address that topic somewhat. And also I would suggest in particular to focus on authentic listening, which is in life habits 58. It's often the case that men will overpower a conversation, particularly in a conversation with women, women get interrupted way more by men than by women. And also it's the case that men typically interrupt women more than they do men. So here, in order to be more effective as a communicator, and for example, as a leader, and you have a number of people in the room with you, you want to be able to hear the ideas of everybody in the room. Why else do you have everybody that's on your team in the room, let's say, right? In order to do that, you have to listen to people, as I've talked about so many times before. In order to do that, you don't want to be interrupting all the time. You want to actually authentically listen. And that episode, episode 58, will take you through the details of that approach. It's also something that's important in terms of what you're communicating. When you interrupt a woman in a meeting as a man, you're also indicating that you didn't think what they were talking about was all that worth it. You didn't want to hear the rest of it. You've got something more important to say. So even beyond just effective communication and that you want to be able to get all the ideas out from the various people in the room, it's also the case that you're also being quite dismissive of the women in the room if you do tend to interrupt them more than you interrupt men. And like I say, 
That is uh, a finding that you need to be aware of and thereby counteract. And also be aware of and counteract confirmation bias when it comes to gender. And I talk about that in Life Habits 53. You know, a lot of us have these ideas that are in our heads about the ways the world works. And you can spend your time looking for evidence to confirm your biases or you can be aware of those biases, step back and be more open to contrary evidence so that you're not driven entirely by simply trying to get evidence for the various views you have. And I mentioned before that, you know, women, according to Sheryl Sandberg, should, you know, take more risks. I would suggest the converse for some men, again, the evidence that I mentioned earlier, that women tend to be more effective and more successful in running startups. Men tend to take greater risk and often inappropriate risks that then are damaging to, you know, their company or themselves or their family. And so men can take a page out of the typically female approach to environments and situations like that and being a little bit more cautious and be a little bit more focused on kind of what the risks are and being more thoughtful in terms of the steps that that you'll take and as a result be more strategic in your in your focus so some ideas for everyone to address some ideas for women to look at in particular and also for men to look at in particular, in order for us to, as both genders, really drive toward a level of equality that ensures that ideas are presented and things are progressed regardless of gender. That gender largely does not matter. And today, there's still a lot of instances where gender really does impact directly. And in the more advanced societies, I think we're at the stage of having to drive greater nuance in the approaches that we take. And there are other parts of the world where we haven't progressed much at all. But there's huge opportunity for us to improve in this space. And I hope those ideas help you in achieving that as well. Now, just before we finish up, I wanted to thank you all for your input, your feedback, your comments. And as usual, I'd like to just read just a few of the bits of feedback that we've received. On iTunes, Misha says, best pod ever, five stars, really amazing podcast. I go over most of them and re-listen at least twice for some of them. I prefer to listen in the morning while driving. It gives me a post for my work and I try to apply the lessons from the podcast I just heard. Just one note, if you repeat the list at the end, it would also be helpful, which I think I've just done. Thank you very much. Waiting for the next episode. Another comment from India in this case. Satish says five stars. It's very nice to start every day with positive thoughts, and the Life Habits podcast is one of them. Thanks for sharing. Well, thanks, Satish. The iTunes Canadian store has Alec made a comment, five stars, saying a map to set you on a clearer journey. This podcast is a great way to put some direction in your life. Thank you for helping me keep my energy and my thoughts on what matters in life. Great topics that will shine light on your path, setting aside energy and time wasters. 
Listening to you is a gift I offer myself. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Alec. And from Australia, Cindy says, Executive Coach, five stars. I get so much value and clarification out of these podcasts. I talk to friends about them, and they are so grounding and relevant. Thank you so, so, so much. Well, thank you, Cindy. And an email from Samantha says, Dear Carl, I just wanted to tell you how much I enjoy your Life Habits podcast. Listening to an episode every morning really helps me start each day on a positive note. As other listeners have surely told you, your voice is quite soothing and the advice you give is immensely practical. And so she also gave some suggested topics that we'll address in future episodes as well. Also, there are some episodes where you mention supplemental resources, such as websites. There are times when I'm not able to write as I listen, such as when I'm driving. Would you be open to including this sort of information on your blog entries for the corresponding episodes? And I will do that, uh, Samantha. In fact, I will put any of the links to anything I talk about here directly on the Facebook page. And the Facebook page is at facebook.com slash lifehabits. And you can also write to me at lifehabits at gmail.com. And I'd like to thank all of you who wrote in, provided your ratings and your comments your suggestions, and also, again, I want to celebrate the fact that each of you are trying to improve yourselves so that you can be more effective, be more happy, and be a greater citizen of the world. Thank you so much. Talk to you next time, and bye for now.